Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless this word. Bless this message today. Hallelujah. Let it do what you have sent it to do. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. So last week, amen, we started a teaching series about relationships. Amen. And we talked about, amen, presenting our body to God. Can you turn me up a little bit? We talked about presenting our bodies to God. That's it right there. Perfect. We talked about presenting our bodies to God as living sacrifices. Y'all remember that? And we talked about, amen, when Abraham began to go up into the mountain with his son. He said, me and the lad are going to worship. Amen. And we learned that sacrificing is worship. And when we sacrifice, what we're talking about is as we present our bodies to the Lord, as we present it to him and we yield ourselves to the spirit of God and we give the spirit of God the right to survey our life and analyze it. And as he begin to go in our heart and search it and find things in our heart that God is not pleased with, he would lead us to a moment of death or set up an opportunity for us to kill out or die to that. And when God orchestrates that, we learn that sacrificing is done on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, all day long, Paul began to say. And as we sacrifice, or as we obey God, contrary to how we feel, that is worship. We learn that one level of worship is what we did today when they sing those beautiful songs. And we come before the Lord and we enjoy his presence. We bask in his glory. That's a form of worship. But deeper worship is when we are sacrificing during the week and we're dying out to the things that the Lord prompts us to kill. Even as the great apostle Paul began to say, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter, kill all day long. Amen? Amen. So let's go over here. Amen. We're getting ready to go into the second part of this. So the first part of it was about how we draw near to God through sacrificing, amen? And today we're going to talk about human relationships. And the title of this one today is Designed to Bind. Amen. God designed us to bind with other people. Amen. God designed that. And if you start learning God, and then you start learning your adversary, think about all the times that the enemy has fought your relationships. And you're going to learn today why the devil fights relationships. Because in relationships, there's strength. But when the enemy can get you to isolate yourself and not form godly relationships, he can destroy your life. Amen? So that's why many times you will see yourself trying to withdraw from people. Because when you are withdrawn from people... That's really counter to how God designed you. When God had mankind in mind, God's idea was to create a big old family. The human race was supposed to be a big old family. And families are designed to bond. How many of you know that when a mother is carrying a child, when you start getting ready to see the ultrasound, any of you remember that cord that's connected to that child? And God put that umbilical cord in that mother because when that mother is carrying that child, that child is surviving only because they're connected to that mother. And that mother is feeding. When that mother eats, that is filtered to the child. 
And God designed that at the physical level. But when that woman is carrying that child, whenever that woman gets ready to give birth to that child, there's a chemical that God releases called oxytocin. That's a bonding chemical. And what happens is whenever that woman starts pushing, those chemicals are released and that's connected because now that physical part is getting ready to be broken. So God releases those chemicals because now that physical attachment is broken. But now God is designing for a spiritual connection to take place. <laughs> Amen. That's why women's having, women having their instinct to be so protective of their children because God put a bonding agent and a lot of you, you get upset with your mother and you say your mother sometimes can be too intrusive or too invasive. But that's a chemical and that's a connection that God put on the inside of that woman for you that you may never understand. It's a whole lot deeper than you can even comprehend. It's not at the intellectual level. It's not at the umbilical cord level, but it's at the spiritual level. And that's something that carries from that woman to that child all of her life. I heard my mother-in-law yesterday. She said, I don't care how old my children get. I will always be burdened and concerned for my children. And do I have any elders in here that can testify that sometimes even when that child get on your nerves, even when they reach a point in life where you think they should have had some things figured out and they still don't have it figured out and you hard and you upset. But when they come back or if they hungry, if they need a place to stay, you can kick them out on the street. But when they say, Mama, when all you go back to is you hear your little boy or you hear your little girl and you say, you know what? Everybody gave up on you. But you still my son, but you still my daughter, and I'm going to do whatever I got to do until you get it together. Some of you have children you want to call them can't get right. <laughs> Seem like they could never get it together. But there's something that you say, I'm through with them, I'm through with them. This time I'm not bailing them out. This time I don't care if they eat. And so, Mom, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. You ready to mortgage the house? <laughs> and you don't even understand because it's against all reason and logic. And you should be ready to throw them away. But you say, man, where my W-2? <laughs> where my deed? Where my title? Why? Because that's a connection that God has put in humanity for one another. And the enemy don't want us connected. The enemy don't want you to find the godly sisters that you can bounce things off. He wants you to stay isolated to yourself so he can destroy you. The Bible says he looked for somebody to devour. Who is he looking to devour? Somebody with no relationships, with no connections, with no accountability in their life. And when you don't have accountability and connections in your life, you fighting the devil by yourself. Somebody said, woo, I just get started and y'all hollering, woo already. <laughs> because the enemy don't want you bonding. He don't want you connecting. He don't want you because he know that if you get connected to the right person, how many of you know the right relationships can change your life? And on the contrary, the wrong relationship can change your life. So you got to manage your relationships. You got to manage who you connect to. Amen. 
So let's walk through this a little bit. Well, my phone always going off. You see that? <laughs> Praise God. That's okay. I'm connected to people. Praise God. So let's go over here to the book of Colossians 3 and 14. And I want to read something to you. Amen. So we're talking about human connections. We're talking about design to bind. Amen. Somebody say, I am designed to bind. <laughs> Somebody saying, God created me to fit in a family. God created me to build great relationships. <laughs> Somebody say, two is better than one. Somebody say, one, woe unto the man that falls and he's alone. Because nobody can help him. All right. So now I'm going to teach you how to bond. Uh, Colossians 3 verse 14. I'm getting a little older. Let me get some help. Praise God. And above all of these things, to put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. What that scripture is telling you, that word perfect means complete or mature. And what Paul is trying to tell you, the only way your relationships can be perfect. Okay. The only, thank you, Shannon. Appreciate it. My wife, she always looking out for me. See, you, that's why you got to bond to the right person. You see that? See that? My teammate always got my bag. See, right while I'm talking about bonding, you see how beautiful it is when you're connected to the right people? That's what God designed. Hallelujah. All right. And it's beautiful because look what she put on her phone code. See, when you're connected to the right person, you don't have to hide your phone code. You can be transparent. The Bible say when he created Adam and Eve, they were naked or transparent. In other words, they didn't have nothing to hide. You can't bond when you're hiding things all of the time. How you going to have a healthy relationship, but there's always secrets and always hidden agendas and motives? Too many secrets. That's why you can't bond. Because when somebody detecting secrets upon you, they're going to be skeptical to trust you. Amen. Barriers to bonding. All right. So Paul said, if you want to have mature relationships in your life with other people, the key to that or what binds or bonds people together is charity. You cannot form healthy relationships without charity. And Paul called charity, he said, though I speak with the tongues of men or angels, cast out devils, move mountains, and understand all the mysteries, can have all faith. If I haven't grown in charity, another word for charity or the meaning of charity is love. How many of you know that love goes beyond just a warm feeling, but love is actually an action word that you have to put in place intentionally, especially when you don't feel like it. Love is something that has to be executed, but not felt. Feeling love is fine and warm and all of that, but love is a word of execution. Can I get an amen? 
Somebody say love is execution. And if you want mature relationships in your life, the key to mature relationships in your life is walking in love. Now I'm going to define it and I'm going to show you this great apostle and how he developed in this. So bonding, bonding, bonding. Somebody say bonding. Okay, for instance, everybody saw the speaker moving today, right? Do you know why the speaker was moving? Because it wasn't bonded to the other one. So what they did, they came and they put some tape on it, which we're going to make that better. <laughs> See, sometimes you got to do what you got to do to hold things together until it get better. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do to make the relationship work until you see better days. Sometimes you may have to put some tape on your marriage. Sometimes you might have to put some gorilla glue on there. Sometimes you might, some, you don't know what you got to do to keep it together. Oh my God. Sometimes you might have to go to drastic measures and say, baby, I know I'm, no, you're not leaving. <laughs> That word bond means adhesive. It means taking two separate objects, confining something to get in the middle of it and make them stick. Sometimes it can be glue. Sometimes you can take a, a string and tie things together. Sometimes you can take a, a, heat the surfaces up and mesh them. So y'all get what I'm saying? Everything around you has been bonded together. But the way God designed the world, when you break it down to the smallest levels of material matter, at the molecular level, at the atom level, atoms form bigger masses when they bond with other ones. It's called a compound. How many of you know water is a compound? Y'all know anybody in here ever, y'all remember compounds in school? What is the compound for water? What is it called? And what does H2O mean? What that mean? How many parts of hydrogen? And how many parts of oxygen? And what they did? And became what? Binding changes your form. See, you can only do so much by yourself. But when you bond with somebody else, you become greater than you were alone. That hydrogen was sitting over there, that, that oxygen was by itself. And each of them have a wonderful purpose alone. But when they became a unit, they started to fill up 70 to 75% of the earth. 70 to 80% of your body is what? H2O. To pull all of the hydrogen out of your body and what you got? You dead. Because if you pull all the hydrogen out, then the water's gone. See, when relationships are put together right, and you lose somebody in a relationship that you really love, you're not going to be the same. Do you ever heard somebody say, I feel like a piece of me died? Can I get an amen? Am I t- <laughs> Anybody ever lost somebody they love? You hear terms like man that feel like there's a hole in my heart. Because there was a bond there. That's how you are designed to be. Oh my God, that's beautiful. 
That's beautiful. So let's walk over here to, and as I thought about this, remember last week I told you when you take the Ten Commandments and you get into the first four, your first four commandments, they were in reference to your relationship with God, right? But look at the last six. Let me just read them real quick, briefly. Honor your father and your mother. (laughs) What is your father and your mother? That's a human relationship. The Bible is saying it doesn't matter how you feel about your father and mother, you should never lose honor or respect for them. (laughs) I raised my kids and one of the sayings in my house was this. We're not going to always agree because as you go through school, you're going to get old and your mind's going to develop and it's going to evolve and your views on life are going to change as you meet people and as you study and as you mature into an adult. And you're going to get different views on the world. One day you may not vote the way I vote. One day you may not like to eat what I like to eat. One day you're going to become your own person. But what we're always going to have in this house, I don't care what your opinion is, we're going to respect one another. I remember one day when Bree was growing up, she called me and she went off. She went off. And I knew she was getting older. I didn't have a problem with that. And she's trying to get her point across. <laughs> Let me tell you how that conversation went. I'm listening, I'm listening. All you heard was this. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, you're going to catch your head. <laughs> but then I, we got in a conversation, and I let her calm down, and I sold her these words. <laughs> I said, as long as you're alive, <laughs> don't you ever in your life Speak to me like that again. <laughs> I don't care how old you get. You can get married and have 14 kids. You would never talk to me like that again. And if you ever, we would not even enter a conversation with that tone in your voice. Never had that problem again. You got to keep that respect in that relationship. Amen. You can express yourself civilized. You don't have to go from zero to 100 just because somebody disagree with you. You can express your views, though they differ and though they're not the same, with respect. That's what mature people do. Immature people argue and raise their voice and think the raising of the voice proves the point. Do you ever had a friend like that that felt like because the voice rose that made them right? Just because your voice rises, that don't mean you're right. And neither am I going to let the raising of your voice intimidate me and move me off of my point. So when your voice comes back to a civilized manner, then we can continue the conversation. But I'm not even interested. I'm not an arguing kind of person. Why? Because I think it's ignorant to sit there and just argue with somebody. Because you're going to say something that you're going to have to take back. And I'm going to say something I don't mean. Instead of us getting to that point, let's just hang tight until we both back civilized. And then we can enter into this conversation again. Because what your information may be valid to keeping a relationship together. It's just not the time to discuss it because you out of control. Y'all can give the Lord a hand clap. That's civilized, intelligent living. It's time for us to rise above what we learned in Macomb and Vizay and trying to bully people into our points. 
But let you in the kingdom of God now. And in the kingdom of God, it's the highest, most classy, civilized organism that exists in the world today. I've seen heads of state act ignorant. But people in the kingdom of God should always be composed. You should always walk with dignity. Why? Because the scripture says you are a royal priesthood. You are a royal person. I don't care where you come from, what your background is, what your hood is. Once you're born again and you follow Christ, you have now become a royal person. And you must carry yourself accordingly. Amen. So no more conversations with your neck going side to side. No more of this. God's daughters don't talk like that. I say God's daughters don't talk with all that sassiness and all that neck moving and that's not the representation of somebody that's a daughter of God. Under no circumstances should we act like that. None. There's nothing somebody can do that gives you a license to misrepresent God if you are carrying his name. Oh my God. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to get into something that's going to bless your life. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. We're talking about human relationships, bonding. In college, they call it sociology, which is the study of how humans interact. (laughs) How many of you know God invented sociology? How many of you know that everything you learn, God, any sociology majors in here, anybody? Oh, we've got two of them. Isn't that the study or the science of human behavior, how humans interact? All right, so if you want to learn how to interact before they came up with that in colleges, right here. Look what Paul said. Boy, this is good. 1 Corinthians 13. This is what we're going to do is we're going to define, because somebody can say they love you, but if you punching me upside my head, that ain't love. That's abuse. Girl, I love you. You just don't understand that this is how I show love. That's not love. That's not how God designed it. That's called you have a problem. And you don't deserve a woman or a man if you've got to put your hands on them. Because every human is precious in God's sight. And whenever you look what the Bible say, it say, how can you say that you love God and you never saw him one time? Any of you ever seen God walking around? No, never seen him. He said, you never laid your eyes on God, but you hate a man. Can you say, I love God, but you hate what he made? Every human being that's alive on the face of this earth is made in the image and similitude of God. And every time you harm somebody that's created in God's image, that's a charge you're going to have to answer for one day. Because Jesus said, in as much as you've done it to the least of these You've done it to me. And then he said, as you would that men would do unto you, do so unto them likewise. Meaning, every course of action you take with another human, if it's destructive, the first thing you should do is say, would I want somebody treating me the way I'm getting ready to treat my husband? That's how you gauge if you're walking in love. Because Jesus said, as you would or as you want somebody to do you, do likewise. How many of you want somebody yelling at you? 
But why we yell at other people? How many of you want somebody bullying you? That don't feel good on. But why we do it to other people? How many of you want somebody manipulating you? But nobody raising their hand. But do we do this to other people? That's why Jesus said, if you don't want that action done on you, don't do it to nobody else. Because Paul said, don't be deceived. However you treat somebody, somebody someday is going to treat you the same way. And if you're a man and you're running around, you're going to have a daughter one day. Oh, it's fun and games until it's your daughter getting played. <laughs> Do you want to pull your pistol out? Do you want to fight? But then you forgot how you had girls jumping out of the room. Oh, you forgot all of that, huh? You forgot the things you saw when you were young, but you want to do it, do it, do it. But when it come back, that's why Paul said, the things that I don't allow, I'm doing them. What he's saying is, I know I wouldn't want somebody to treat me like that, but that's how I'm treating people. So just know this. Every player gets played. I think I need to say that again. <laughs> That's that hurt right there. <laughs> Every player going to get played one day. Because <laughs> if you dishing out pain, oh, some kind of way God going to make sure. Can he say God is not mocked? But don't be naive and think that you can dish out pain to human beings and it don't come back your way. And don't get upset when it come back. How many of you ever got upset when somebody did you wrong? Did you ever trace it back to when you did somebody wrong? <laughs> See? Every time you've got to start thinking and say, you know what? I planted that. Don't get mad at your own harvest when you plant hate and hate come back. You planted the hate. So now you got to start planting something different. Oh, my God. Thank God for forgiveness. Because there's some things I deserve that didn't come back. Because when I gave my life to the Lord, amen, he forgave me. But that's why I said if somebody trespasses against you, forgive them. He said, now, if you don't forgive them. I want y'all to get this church. These are the things that the church will forget. He said, neither will the Lord forgive you of your trespasses. So you got to think about this. When you holding grudges on people and you're not forgiving, you got to really, really take into account that God is holding a grudge against me too. I bet you you will forgive quicker when you realize the Lord is holding that on your head too. We don't want to give mercy, but we want mercy. <laughs> if you, the Bible say, blessed are the merciful, so for they share what? Amen. Sowing and reaping. <laughs> Whenever somebody do something to you and they apologize, yes, they deserve a punishment. But mercy is not punishing the, the punishable. <laughs> See, when somebody violates you, you want to throw the book at them. But when you violate, you just want the lightest sentence possible in the book. That's harsh. 
Look what Paul said. Verse 4. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful verse. And I want y'all to get this. Let me read verse 1 to 3. Because we got to get this. Because this is what the church world focuses on. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, then have not charity. I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. They say, though I have the gift of prophecy, then understand all mysteries and all knowledge. Somebody say, all of that's good. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and I don't have charity, I am what? The scripture is saying you can do have all the gifts of the spirit of God operating in your life. But if you don't know how to treat another human being, you are what in God's eyes? That's humbling right there. Now, Paul is getting ready to define it. And the reason Paul was able to give you insight on this is because he walked in the gifts of the spirit. But Paul had to learn how to treat people. So look at this first love by definition. And this is going to be hard. Charity suffers what? And is what? Stop right there. You know what that's saying? Now you're about to see why it takes charity to get mature relationships. What he's saying, suffering long means there's a goal for the relationship. Okay? You go in this relationship and you have an envisionment of how you want this relationship to be. But somebody in the relationship is not up to the point of maturity yet. So the expectation is here, but the behavior is here. So he said, charity suffers long. But what that's saying is, I'm going to give you time to mature. But then he say, and is kind. What that's saying is, I'm going to be kind to you while you maturing. A lot of people don't know how to be kind to somebody that's still developing. That's still maturing. That's still growing. See, charity suffers long. What that is saying is, I'm going to be patient with you. I'm going to be merciful to you. I'm not going to throw you away the first time you violate me. I'm going to hang in there with you. I'm going to get some tape sometimes to hold this thing together. And I'm not going to kick the speaker over and say, why you keep moving? I didn't catch that. (laughs) Because if you grab the speaker... See, kindness is when the speaker is moving, you gently grab it and put it back in place. See, the Holy Ghost was all in the mess. He said all that. <laughs> Gave me a prop. <laughs> See, while the speaker is moving, you can say, man, that speaking, you can kick the speaker, and then you damage the speaker. And guess what you got now? No speaker. And bigger problems. <laughs> See, when you damaging people that's still maturing, you don't know how great that person is. You don't realize what's in that person. That's just still developing. That's still growing. So you got to stay kind to them because that keeps them in the race. Right. You don't walk up to the speaker and say, you blast the speaker. Boop. Work, work, get right. Why are you moving? 
No, the brother came up there so gently. He saw the speaker kept moving. He grabbed some tape. And then look what I told Sean. Sean said, man, I need to fix it. I said, they gonna, it's, the tape is good for now. Let's just keep it together. And then we'll fix it after church. See, sometimes you just got to keep it together until God can give you the wisdom on how to make it stronger. Sometimes all you got to do is just hold it together. See, it's not right now. It's not the time to go off and say all of this. Sometimes it's just the right course of action is let me just be quiet. Because right now, husband, you my enemy. And when you want to rattle off, you need some, you thirsty. You need something to eat. You hunger. Because guess what you're doing? You're just holding it together right now. You're just holding it together. You're just keeping it in a a place until God can give you a solution on how to keep the speaker from moving. So you got to stay kind to that other person. But that's why he say charity is the bond. Because how are humans drawn? And this is what you got to learn about human beings. They are attracted to kindness. You can get mad all you want. You can say, man, I've been accused of that. Man, you just nice and kind to everybody. That's God. Sometimes I can see things I need to deal with. But right now, I just need to keep you in church until God show me what I need to do to fix the situation. It's not time to just jump on some. They're already feeling bad because they're struggling. So it's not the time for me to just, well, I can't believe you did this. You didn't hear this message. I, pre- I told you what you should be doing. Why you keep? No, right now, I just need to say, man, how you doing? I'm praying for you. I will hope I see you Sunday. <laughs> Why you didn't jump on them? Because God didn't lead me to jump on them right now. God is leading me to put some tape on them just to keep them coming right now. (laughs) Sometimes I just got to patch you up. Keep you, keep you positive, keep you going. And then at some point, the Lord is going to lead you to something sacrificial to kill out what's keeping you from continuing moving forward. See, I know, man, in our, we like to be mean. We think mean is, and force is right. But then you wonder why you don't have nobody want to be around you. Because as soon as you meet them, all you want to do is jump on them. You, the fish under the water, you got it right here in the knife in the other hand. And while the fish under the water, you're scraping the scale. Fish ain't even in the boat good yet, and you're trying to clean him all up. Can we just get him in the boat, <laughs> get it in the ice chest, put it on ice, get it to the house, keep it from spalling? He said, I'm going to make you fishers of men, not butchermen. The Lord ain't looking for butchers. He's looking for fishermen. (laughs) See, that's how we like. We think because we rough and I'm I'm a man of God. Where's the wisdom? (laughs) The Bible says he that wins a soul is full of wisdom. 
They say the wise, the lips of the wise utter knowledge. See, when you start walking in wisdom, you always give an insight and instruction and information. You pe- the lips of the wise are like a treasure because there's always pouring out knowledge to people. How you a Christian and you ride around with shades on mugging people? Who wants your God? With all these mugging Christians. Mean Christians. Y'all ever seen mean Christians? Don't raise your hand because I don't want nobody to get home and they say, you was talking about me? (laughs) I never went into the fruit of the spirit and saw anger, (laughs) mean, (laughs) bully, the manipulate, I don't, that ain't nowhere in the fruit. The fruit is just the proof of the spirit. But there's nothing you see in God's spirit that, and the Bible say they that are led by the spirit, because the only thing that's going to lead you is gentleness, meekness, wisdom. That's what should be lead. If the spirit lead you, the Bible say the wisdom that comes from above first is what? Peaceful. Gentle, easy to be entreated. How can you say you're walking in the wisdom of God and nobody can talk to you? Think about it. (laughs) Now look at the second definition of love. See, this is tough. Charity, envy it not. Here's the thing. Envy is just this. When you get upset at somebody because they got an advantage over you. So that's envy. All envy is saying is your car is a 2019, mine a 2015. I don't like that. How can you say you love somebody and when great things start happening in their life, you get upset? <laughs> don't let your rejoicing for somebody else only be based on if things going well for you. Because God is going to work things in you about you learning how to rejoice with them that are rejoicing. Everybody at different seasons in life. Don't get mad at somebody getting blessed. They may be in a season of blessing. Because you don't know how much they cried, how much they talked. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know how hard and how much they prayed and cried. Now it's their season to be blessed. And they got to apologize for being blessed. But number two, don't apologize because you're blessed. And, no, and number, that's one. And number two, don't you envy somebody that's in a season of God's blessing on their life. You should, if you got real love in your heart, you can rejoice with somebody that buy a house when you just went in foreclosure. Because <laughs> y'all in different seasons. Don't say, well, no, I got to get my blessing. I'm not going to celebrate with you. No, celebrate your brothers and sisters. Real love celebrates the successes of others. Oh, my God. See, because guess what happened? Remember, they say charity is the bond. Oh, it's what causes relationships to reach maturity. How do you think your friend or your sister is going to feel or your brother, when they got a promotion, can they get around you and you salty? I'm trying to use regular term. You think the how you think they go? They're gonna walk away and say, "Man, so and so didn't really seem happy." And that puts tension in the relationship. 
But when you just as excited as them, when your season is cold and they're in the summer, you know, seasons are different all over the earth. And you got to know what season of life you in. You may be in a season where God is breaking you down and trying to work some things of the world out of you. Well, your other brother or sister may be past that already. Love don't envy. How many of you know love don't envy? <laughs> now, this is a tough one. Charity don't vaunt itself. Oh, it's not braggadocious. Charity don't brag. Charity don't go around saying how much it has to make somebody else feel bad. That comes from the world. That's called stunting. I, t- I raised teenagers. I know what's going on. <laughs> I'm brother Tony, I know what it's called. Uh, a lot of people, they won't go out to bless them so bad so they can start showing off. Well, no. What God going to do, now let me tell you what's, where you really are. <laughs> see, when God see that in your spirit, he's going to put you in a sacrificial moment. He may strip you down and bring you all the way low to where you borrowing money, goodwill for clothes, holding your shoes, because God got to teach you one day you're going to be blessed, but right now you can't handle the blessing of God because you're going to be so selfish. You're not going to give somebody a ride when they need a ride. If I give you two coats, you're not going to share it. You're going to say, look how many coats I got. But Jesus said, if you have two coats, give to him that don't have one. I'm preaching Christian living in here today, boy. Boy, this is Christian living right here. And it's not puffed up. Oh, but look at this next one. It don't behave itself what? It don't curse people out. It don't get around the family and the family reunion and act the clown. I'm trying to be practical today. <laughs> See? You should not be known. When you become a Christian, you should no longer be known for the person that's coming over here and acting out. They should start seeing a different personality upon you. Oh, my God. I hope I'm helping somebody today. It don't act out. Then it says, seek this not her own. Boy, now that's a tough one. See, if you're the kind of person that your only motivation is for yourself, you're not walking in love. But when you begin to walk in love, mature living is when you're doing things for your kids. When the boss tells you things you don't like, but you hold on to that job because you got a family. When you can quit, but you say, you know what, I'm doing this because I'm trying to build a legacy for my grandkids. See, when you have real love, love causes you to move beyond just worrying about your own self. Because <laughs> to too many people, you need to know where you are. If the only thing that consumes your mind is what you can do for yourself, please don't have kids. Please don't have kids. Because raising kids is all about seeking for somebody else's welfare. You know how many times I looked up and I was coming up and I saw my son fresh and I probably wasn't fresh. I looked at pictures back when my son was small like uh, uh, little Tony. He used to remind me of he stayed looking good. 
But I didn't always look like he probably have because why? Because I want my son when he go to school, I want his hair cut. Why your hair cut and your son hair not cut? Oh, I know why his hair not cut because you want to say when he go by his mama, look how bad he looks. She don't take care of him or he go by his daddy, come back dirty. Stop using your kids in wars. Oh, somebody going to get mad at me right now. (laughs) Your kids are not pawns in the relationships with your exes. Those kids, a lot of our kids are suffering because the relationship ended. So now we think we got little pawns in our hand to make the other person feel pain. But guess who suffers? The child suffers. (laughs) Maturity says this. Me and you didn't work out. Sometimes in life, covenants are broken and violated. Maybe we got married too quick. We wasn't ready. (laughs) Maybe we wasn't mature enough. Hey, I messed up. It's my fault. But whatever the case may be, we still got to take care of little Isaiah. You making money and she say, well, can you send me some money to send out little, uh, 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 little Isaiah to private school? No, I'm not doing it. Why? Why wouldn't you want the best for your child because they don't live with you anymore? Sign him up, and I'm going to cut this $500 check on top of the child support. Y'all know y'all saying, boy, get out of my business. (laughs) Why you want to wear Jordans and nice $100 shirts, and your son is going to the worst school in Lafayette Parish? Why not take some of that money and invest in a three, four, five hundred dollar private school tuition or something? If you know a school is rated F and you can afford to level your child up, why wouldn't you level your child up? So you can say, well, they don't live with me. Look how she got them living. That's childish. And you're not ready to be a parent. Because regardless of what happens with you and that woman or you and that man, that child still deserves the best that you can possibly give them. Oh, my God. You always do what's best for the child. I don't care how mad you are with that other person. You always do what's best for that child. Always. Non-negotiable, uncompromisable. Uncompromisable. You are a real parent. Don't always do what's best for the child. They had parents like some of us in the Bible. One, two women had a child. Two of them had a child. And one of those women was just mean, vengeful, spiteful, hateful. In the night, her child passed away. Her child passed away. And when the child passed away, the other lady had a child. And they say, she switched them up. And she's like, well, that's my child. And Solomon just sitting there. And one of them say, no, that's my child. The other one say, no, that's my child. And Solomon said, hmm, humans are bonded creatures. See, God began to drop wisdom on Solomon. He began to reveal to him, when I designed a woman and she have a child, there's a bond there. There's a connection there. 
And the real mother is going to look out for what's best for that child, no matter what. <laughs> so Solomon said, I'm about to find out who really the mother is right here. Bring me a sword. <laughs> they brought that sword to Solomon, and he ran back like that, and he began to say, now I'll tell y'all what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this baby and cut him in half. You get a half, you get a half. See, a mean mother going to say, yeah, go on and kill him. Yeah, yeah, let him go to that bad school. The wrong father going to say, oh, yeah, I don't care. I'm glad he got them holes in his Jordans. (laughs) But then guess what happened? The real mother, she remembered how she carried that baby. She remembered how she was expecting great things for that baby. She remembered how she always wanted a little child. And when Solomon got ready to cut, she said, hold on. She said, hold on, hold on. Don't harm that baby. See, real parents don't want to see their children harmed. How can you be a real parent and your child is harmed and it don't affect you? How can you just use your child as a pawn in a custody game and the child is uh, uh, hurting and depressed and going through, not developing right emotionally and mentally, and you don't even care about that. All you care about is proving a point to your ex. And the child is growing up emotionally damaged because of your pawn, your little chess game. Why I keep preaching on that? Why well, keep preaching on that? <laughs> Always do what's best for the child. And when Solomon saw that that child was spared, he uttered these words. That's the mother right there. <laughs> That's the mother right there to give her the child. See, God wants you to form relationships with people that really love you. And if your heart has been blackened and you've been involved in those type of chess games, God can fix that. God can fix that because we live in a blended family world today. That's just the reality. But that don't mean we've got to let our heart stay damaged. God can fix your heart and he can repair it and he can teach you how to love again. He can even give you a heart to love your ex and want to see them do good. Love don't seek his own. Boy, I know this is a hard message right here, but that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Somebody say, my child not a pawn. Tell your neighbor, your child not a pawn. Tell your other neighbor, your child not a pawn. Somebody say, that's a beautiful child. But that deserves the best. Lord have mercy, Jesus. Sinking not our own. Now this is a good one right here. It's not easily provoked. If everything get on your nerves and you always irritated, you have a love problem. Real love is not easily provoked. He said it don't mean it's never provoked. 
He just say everything shouldn't get on your nerves when you've got real love. Why y'all quiet? That's a good one right now. <laughs> See, when you really have love in your heart, real love is saying, man, I need to pray for this person. Because I see where they are. Then they need God to help them. I, I, man, God, I need you to move for them. That's why Jesus say, pray for them that despitefully use you. Some people will spitefully do things to hurt you. And when somebody's walking in spite, that's a sign of immaturity. And that person needs help. And our job as Christians is to lift the spiteful people up in prayer. That's why Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Why? Because they don't even know what level they're on. They don't even understand why they doing this to me. They don't realize that Satan is driving them to hurt a child of God. And every offense against a child of God causes a millstone to be put on their neck and dropped in the sea. So I pray that instead of that happening to them, God have mercy on them. Help them see, open their eyes because they don't realize they're damaging a precious child of God. They don't realize that I've got angels around me. They don't realize that Jesus said I can call legions of angels to rescue me and harm you right now. But instead of the angels coming to kill them God I pray that you help them so that they can grow and stop being so hateful and mean and bitter help them Lord help my ex-husband help my ex-wife that don't want me to see these kids help her because she don't realize that my son is going to suffer for this she don't understand the magnitude of the damage of the spite that she's doing. How it's going to infect a young human. So God help them. Boy, that's a hard prayer to pray, huh? That's a hard one right there. Because look how he followed that up. Thinking no evil. Stop th- wishing your ex get in a car wreck. Real love don't wish death and harm and injury on nobody. If you thinking evil towards somebody, stop saying you love God because you want God to destroy something that he made. Stop hoping God destroy your ex. Real love, evil can't even come into the mind of real love because real love works no ill to his neighbor. Real love works no ill. The love of God has no ill in it. Zero. When Jesus was born, that's what the angel said. Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. How can we say we're walking in the love of Christ and we're not wishing goodwill toward everybody? When Jesus was born, heaven said, goodwill toward men. That's what heaven uttered. Goodwill toward men has come into the world. All God wants is goodwill to come to every man. The Bible says it's not his will that any man perish. Oh, my God. Who I hope I'm helping somebody today. 
It's not his will. Might be your will. It's not his will. Why y'all quiet on me today? It's a hard message. That's all right. Bless God. The spirit of God is writing in your heart. That's what he's doing. It says not written on stones no more. It's written on the fleshly tables of the heart. You're going to start learning how to love people. And when you stop, and we need to stop saying we love people and we're not walking like this. Nothing anybody do should cause your mind to go into an ill place for somebody. Help me, Holy Ghost. Say that think no evil. Rejoice is not in iniquity. Rejoice is in the truth. <laughs> Look at this. It says it bears all things. Why are you ready to quit on your relationship already? Real love can bear some things. Real love is like glue. Real love don't walk away the first time trouble comes. So if somebody say they love you and they're ready to walk away soon as you disagree, that is not real love. But then it says it hope it or believe it all things. What that scripture is saying is I'm going to stick with you in this situation because one day you're going to get it together. One day if I stick with you and keep praying with you and keep reading the word and talking the word of God, one day we're not going to have this problem. Real love don't say, you're never going to get it together. Real love says, one day you're going to get it together. <laughs> one day you're going to figure it out. One day I'm going to see you walking as a mighty man of God or a mighty woman of God. One day our relationship going to be so, it's rocky right now. But one day our marriage not going to always be on the rocks. One day we're going to have a relationship that we envision. One day. One of these days, we're going to figure this thing out. One day, it's going to click. One day, you're going to grow up. One day, you're going to stop being so selfish. See, people have to grow and develop. You get married young, that's two selfish people. But that's two individuals. And it takes time to move into a mindset of doing what's best for the other person all the time. Takes time. But love believes that one day it's going to happen. See, all of these surf, a surface relationship is like this. I'm going to cut you off. See, if you got that spirit that you always want to cut somebody off, let me tell you what that is. That's a defense mechanism. <laughs> because when you feel pain, you want to move away from the pain. So you see the person that's hurting you as a source of pain. So it's easier for you to cut them off. That's not love. That's not love. Listen, the basic human instincts can be overridden with hate and immaturity. Your human instinct as a mother, a father, is to always look out for your kids. But you can go through things and you can shut those instincts off and cut off what you birthed. Though that's not normal, it happens. And you can override basic human instincts to be attached to what you birthed into the world. Well, I'm thinking I'm getting too personal. I'm getting too personal. Getting a little too personal. Somebody say, get out of my business. 
<laughs> Somebody say you're too hard. Somebody say stop being so mean. Why y'all not helping me preach, y'all? <laughs> That's all right. I love y'all anyway. I'm going to just write. Let this spirit write. Holy Ghost writing. He just writing. He's just writing. It endures all things. Somebody said if you can't go through nothing, you don't have love. Somebody say love can go through things. Somebody say love is not quick to walk away. Lord have mercy. And that's such a counter to our society. It really is. Look what he said. Charity or love never fails. He said everything you do can fail, but charity never fails. Never fails. Verse 11, he's talking about his charity or his love. He said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. And I understood as a child. And I thought as a child. He said, he spoke, understood, and thought as a child. He said, but when I became a man, he's talking about his stature in love. He said, when my love grew, and I've been trying to understand how to look out for other people, how to stop living just for myself, I started to understand the damage that it would cause when I used my child as a pawn. I started to understand the damage I would cause when I want to throw somebody away. I started to understand and think on a deeper level the consequences of my action. Can he say, when I got to that level and I stopped being selfish, I put away childish things. He said, I put away childish things. Praise God. And look what he says. He says, I put away childish things. Now, let me show you what he put away. Let's go over here to Acts 15. Praise God. Acts 15. Wow. Let me speed this up real quick. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Y'all letting the Holy Ghost soften your heart right now. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't let the things you go through in this world keep you better, man. Let God soften your heart. All right. Let's go to verse 36, Acts 15. I just want to show you what Paul was talking about when he said when I was a child. He's going to show you some childish behavior right here. All right. Verse 36, it says, and some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, he said, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they doing. And Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. And Paul thought it wasn't good to take him. Why? Because when they got to Pamphylia working and got a little rough out there, John Mark wasn't ready yet. And the Bible says he went not with him to the work. How many of you know everybody can't keep going forward? Sometimes the journey gets a little hard and some people just don't have what it takes to hang in there. Some people just don't. Everybody not builders. Everybody don't have the, the vision and the strength and the stamina to stick through to see something comes to fruition. 
So Mark was the kind of person that Paul was a builder, Barnabas was building, they were working and laboring, they went to Pamphylia, and John Mark, he wasn't strong enough yet, and he saw all that opposition coming, and John Mark got scared, and he said, oh no, I, I, oh no, oh no, I, I, didn't, I didn't think it would be this difficult to go forward, I, I, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. So Paul said, you know what? They got ready to go back. They got ready to go and keep going forward. Paul said, let's go over here and check on all the brothers. And Barnabas say, well, let's take uh, uh, John. Paul say, <laughs> he ain't coming with me nowhere. <laughs> Paul say, I'm talking about Paul. Paul the apostle said, that weak brother, he can't follow me to the stove. Paul was ready to cut him off. And John and Barnabas had so much love in his heart. He said, Paul, that's not right. Give him some time. Let's work with him. Paul say, no, you're not coming. And the Bible said they went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Finally, Paul said, well, I tell you what, Barnabas, you go your way. I'm going to go mine. And next thing you know, they start going separate ways. Paul was still working in the ministry, but he had to grow. Barnabas was still working in ministry. He took John Mark and he kept working with him, building him up, encouraging him, taping him, keeping him together. He kept, he just kept him together. And what happened was, eventually, now let's go to this next verse. So what happened when God saw Paul in Acts 15 without that charity in his heart, God had to start sending Paul through some trials. And he had to start, he let a thorn come in his flesh. And God had to teach Paul, you think you strong, huh? Because Paul's battle was pride. And because of his pride, he felt like it was his own ministering that got him where he was. So God said, I need to show Paul that it's not his ability that's causing him to do what he's doing. And God began to work on Paul. And as God began to work on Paul, he began to work on him and work on him. And Paul started to realize, he got in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and he started feeling that weakness. See, God had to humble him. He started feeling that weakness. And he began to pray to the Lord three times to get this trial out of his flesh. And every time he prayed, God said, I'm not moving it. Because you're still too arrogant. <laughs> you still think it's you. And he would go back and labor, cast devils out, prophesy, move mountains, take his handkerchief off, throw it in the crowd, devils come out. Go back in prayer. God, take it away. God say, I'm not moving it. And so he would go back and preaching and preaching and preaching. And then he would come back. God, take it away. God said, I'm not moving it. And then he realized, God, you are keeping this in my life because I'm proud. And I had to learn that it's your grace that's causing me to do what I'm doing, not my intellect. And when he realized, that's when he began to learn. And from experience, he began to say, because in one passage, Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. So from experience, he began to say, though I speak in tongues, 
more than Peter, more than James, more than Mark, more than Luke. If I, whenever it came down to dealing with John Mark, I didn't have long suffering with him. <laughs> he said, I got enough faith to move mountains out of your life, but I wanted to cut John Mark off. And God began to tell him, Paul, you are great, but if you don't know how to treat John Mark, you are nothing. And he began to write to those Corinthians and say, though I prophesy all over Asia. Paul said, I'm prophesying all over Asia. And I got John Mark over here damaged because of the way I treated. Every time he prayed, God was dealing with him. What about John Mark? And he would go back and preach. And then he'd come privately and God say, What about John Mark? And he would go preaching him. God would say, What about John Mark? Because the Bible says, Bring your gift. His gift was preaching the gospel. He was bringing that. And then God would get him and say, What about John Mark? You ever had the Holy Ghost dealing with you over and over and over? What about that? What about that? What about that? And you come sing your song. Man, I'm so annoyed that people will shout. You soon as you put it down. What about that? What about that? What about that? Don't let God using you make you feel that he don't want you to deal with. What about that? What about that? You can't just hop over what about that because God is using you. Your gift going to work, but your gift can cause you to go to hell. Because Paul said, though I preach to others, I myself can be a castaway. Wouldn't that be sad to see all kind of people in glory and you don't get in yourself? And they get in because of your gift, bringing them in. People going to be in heaven on your gift. But if you mistreat people, you're not getting in. God is not going to cause them to fall because you don't have charity. He's going to bring them on in. Well, you can be cast away and people get in the kingdom on your gift. Because your gift can work. Your gift going to operate. Paul had to learn. He said, when I was childish, I threw John Mark away. But when I became a man, I put away throwing the young brothers away. And I started taping them. I started being kind to them when they were weak. Paul said, I had to grow. Oh, my God. That's tough, huh? But if you want to walk and grow in the Lord, let's go here. And as we get ready to close, hallelujah, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Boy, I'm telling you, that word is beautiful. Amen. Second Timothy 4, as we get ready to close. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Second Timothy 4. Look at this. Paul, as he's traveling, now he get in the book of Timothy, and he say these words, I'm now ready to be offered up. He said, you know when he wrote that? He said, I fought a good fight. <laughs> He said, I kept the faith, now I'm ready to be offered up. He wrote that in a letter to Timothy. But look what he also said, verse 11, chapter 4. Look what he said. Only Luke is with me. <laughs> take who? Who he said take? 
Who he said take? And bring him with me. Why? Because now I realize that the one I wanted to cut off got something in him that can benefit the people of God. (laughs) See, the people you want to cut off got great things in them. Paul had to grow. Paul had to develop. Paul had to learn that even though I didn't think there was nothing to mark, God put something in him. And then the Bible says the body is edified when every joint is supplying. Every, when every joint is contributing, every joint is supplying, because that's when the body is at its most optimal function. Amen? Hallelujah. So let me close over here in Ecclesiastes. Praise God. You can stand up on your feet as I read this last scripture. I hope you enjoyed the word today. Praise the Lord. Amen. How many of you know we need to grow in our charity? How many of you, how many of you can do better in love? Well, all those hands went up. That's it? That's it? Anybody can grow in love? If the Apostle Paul can grow in love, you can grow in love too. Amen. I want to love like that. I want to love like God. Amen. How many of you know God is what? Amen. So let's pull down something the devil has strategically tried to do. Amen. Ecclesiastics, and this is a direct spiritual counter to what Satan has tried to do. How many of you know Satan has tried to keep people divided? Do I have any witnesses here that can testify that Satan wants you to divide from your friends, your husband, your spouses, your brothers, your sisters? Amen. Look what it said in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12. Beautiful scripture. It says two are better than one. Y'all grab hands with somebody as we read this. Amen. I want y'all to, we're going to read this the way it's written. The way it's written. Somebody say two is better than one. Yeah, across the aisle. That's beautiful. I like that. Somebody say, I need you. Tell the person who hand you hold and say, I need you. All right. Somebody say, there's something in you that I need because that's how God designed it. Hallelujah. Now look why God did that. Because they have a good reward for their labor. You need somebody laboring with you. He said, for if they fall, the one will lift his fellow. Now look at the person who hand you holding and say, if you fall, I got you. Somebody say, if you fall, I got you. And I say, when you fall, I'm there. You can count on me. Do y'all really mean that? We need to say that again. That's what the church should be filled with. The Bible say he that's strong should bear the infirmity of the weak. The Bible say we should bear one another's burdens. Bearing a burden means the pain that they carry. They should be able to transfer that pain to you and you help them carry that pain. Hallelujah. But woe to him that is alone 
when he falls. For he has not another to help him. Somebody say, if you fall and you by yourself, nobody can help you. Somebody say, don't cut me off because you're going to need me. Somebody say, you might be strong right now, but one day you're going to need some help. I think we ought to praise God right there.